Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. How many are ready to enter into the teaching this morning? We want to stay on our theme. Our theme for um, 2024 as a church is a spirit-empowered One more time. A spirit-empowered Right? So we want to dedicate a few sermons, and we, we won't be preaching the whole year on a Spirit-empowered church, uh, but we want to dedicate a few sermons, especially in the beginning of the year, to spark within us this longing, this hunger, this desire, this focus um, for, for us as a church, but I hope that you would just take this to your home, Spirit-empowered family and Spirit-empowered matrimony, Spirit-empowered children and grandchildren, and, and we want to talk about what does that mean over, the, over these next couple of sermons. So today we want to continue in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you can stay seated this morning. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8. And we're so thankful this morning for our worship team and our musicians and those who are upstairs, our ushers, our security team, those working the parking lots, our greeters. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for all of them? They work with such a spirit of excellence. They, they get here early. They pray. They seek the Lord. They find their place. And maybe you're here and ECC is your home church and you'd like to begin to serve. You can feel free to uh, approach one of our pastors and we could also help you uh, get to that place. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I also read these verses last week, uh, some of these verses. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them, was, uh, each of them heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, They ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is a compass for us. It leads us. It guides us. It confronts us. 
we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that it would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that the teaching would land in our hearts, that it would bring life to something that is stagnant this morning, O oh Lord, that it would draw us closer to you, that tomorrow morning, Lord God, we can wake up and we can meditate on your word and apply it to our lives, that our Sunday can change our Monday, O oh Lord. I pray. I thank you, Lord God, for this word, for it, 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 it sharpens me, Lord. It encourages me. It confronts me. It reminds me, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that I could also live by it, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the day of Pentecost uh, in Acts, is, it's, it's a, uh, a key time in church history. It is the turning point to the early Christian church. Uh, Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, it was a Jewish feast that was celebrated for 50 days. It's also known as the Feast of the Weeks because it's seven, day, uh, seven weeks by seven days, 49 days. And on the last day, the 50th day, um, it, it comes to an end. It's, uh, the, the Feast of Pentecost is the given of the first fruit uh, unto the Lord, the first harvest unto the Lord. So uh, it's a practice that, that uh, Hebrew people, Israelites, Jews from all places that have been scattered, for those 50 days they come back to Jerusalem and they celebrate Pentecost, the Feast of the Weeks. It is during this time of celebration, uh, remember at Passover where, where Jesus was crucified, three days later he resurrected, he was on the earth for 40 days, appearing to the disciples at different times, and then after 40 days we know the scripture teaches us that he ascended to heaven. All this is happening during the time of Pentecost where uh, uh, millions of Hebrews, Israelites, Jews would come back and they would celebrate this great feast. All this is happening during that time. Jesus is coming in and revealing himself to the disciples. He had resurrected already. Um, then he ascends to heaven and for 10 days, uh, 120 disciples of Jesus go into the upper room and they are waiting on the promise that Jesus had said. Jesus had said, don't leave Jerusalem until you are empowered with the Holy Spirit, when, until you receive the counselor, until you receive one just like me. Right, so for 10 days they're in the upper room. But all this is happening during the day of Pentecost. There's a big celebration. Uh, they're, they're celebrating their heritage, their culture. They're celebrating the Torah, all that God had done with them um, through uh, the life of Moses and their time in, in the desert. There, there's a celebration here. On that last day, Jesus uh, sends the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost comes upon the 120 they're filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. Uh, they, began, they began to proclaim the wonders of God in the different languages of the people who were celebrating Pentecost. Now, they were all Hebrew people, but they had been scattered because of the Babylonian Empire. They had been scattered to different lands, and they had learned new dialects and new languages, but they didn't release their culture. They came back to Jerusalem every year to celebrate. That's why the Bible calls them pilgrims. But they had different languages, different dialects. When the day of Pentecost comes upon the 120, they begin to speak not heavenly languages, but languages that the, that the pilgrims, that the Israelites, that those who were celebrating Pentecost understood. And that's why they're saying, wow, they're declaring the wonders of God in our native language, in our language. Which is a reminder to us why Pentecost, why the empowerment. It has to do everything with witnessing. That's why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea. Don't leave to the, uh, until you have been what, empowered. Because it's a reminder to us of the Great Commission. 
It's a reminder to us of why we've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the church says. Right? So this is happening the day of Pentecost, the 50th day. The 120 are in the upper room. They're praying. They don't know what to expect. They're probably thinking like Jesus ascended. Somebody's going to descend like him. They don't know. But here comes the Holy Spirit of God. Ascends upon them. Baptizes them. Fills them. And uh, they begin their journey as the first century church, the first church, the church of Acts, the spirit-filled church, the empowered church. And today, Christianity is all over the world, and it began on the day of Pentecost. Right? How awesome. But this promise of being spirit-empowered is not just for the 120, and it's not just for the first century, but it's a promise given to all generations it is a, a, a confirmation of the prophet Joel. It's a confirmation to us and a reminder to us that this promise is for all generations. For you and for me, we can be spirit-empowered. How many say amen? amen? And once we come to Christ, the scripture reminds us that we're sealed with his spirit. But I, I want to ask, how can we have this experience today? How you and I, as the church of Jesus, how can we enjoy the encounter of Pentecost. How can we enjoy that 50th day where the Spirit of God just filled us and baptized us and, and the gift of the Spirit began to flow? How can you and I enjoy that? Well, like I said, we know that Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 tells us that once we come to Jesus, we are marked. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and it tells us this to remind us that we belong. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 uh, tells us this. Uh, it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you heard it, and you believed in him. Ephesians 1, 13 says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What a blessing for you and I. We, we met, our faith is a faith where, where our God is not a distant God, not a historical God. He's not only, he's not religious, but he's personal and he's alive in each and every one of us. And it is awesome, this faith that we have. And Paul writes in Ephesians that when you have what received this salvation and you have believed this word of truth and you have believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised spirit. The same spirit of Pentecost. You and I, we get to experience it. And I love that Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he reminds us and he says, Hey, do not get drunk with wine, for that is the battery. But he says, Be filled with the spirit. And I've said this before here. This is present tense in original language, and it's talking about be filled with the spirit right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now, right now, it's present tense, right now. Tomorrow I could be filled with the Spirit on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It, it could be my existence, it could be our existence filled with the Spirit. And he said, don't get drunk with wine for that is the battery. And it's a reminder to us to be careful of, of cardinal things and fleshly things and things of the world that will mislead us from, from really enjoying what God has intended for us. Being filled with his Spirit. And the church says, filled with the Holy Spirit, present tense. And that word filled in original languages has to do with, you know, just render completely, overflow. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful word. And, and I want to tell you that God will save anyone. He'll save anybody. 
Right? You know, most of us can say amen. We know that. Right? God will save anyone, but he's looking for a particular group of people, a particular type of person to impart his spiritual gifts into. He's looking for a particular group. He'll save anybody, but he's looking for a particular group of people that he will empower with his gifting, with his Holy Spirit. Being filled. For many of us, we were taught if you grew up in the Spanish Pentecostal church, you were taught, hey, you want to be filled with the Spirit? Lock yourself in the room. Pray, 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 pray until it happens. All right? Now, I think that that's pretty good advice. I think that's pretty good advice. Some of us need to do that, lock ourselves in that room and pray, 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 pray until something happens. I think that's good advice for us. But I want to suggest to you today that I think it's even more than that. I think it's even more than that. Dallas Willard said this, we cultivate a devotional life, but we don't have a life of devotion. He says we focus on our spiritual disciplines, but how are we living? How are we living? It's always important to get back to where we started so that we can understand the beginning. If you want to understand the beginning, you always kind of, if you want to understand what's happening, you always go to the beginning. Beginning, there's this thought of regenesis, right? Go, go to the beginning. So today I want to just quickly, as time allows, let's look at the 120. Let's look at the 120. Let's look at the 120 disciples that were in the upper room for 10 days. And what can we learn from them? Because I do believe that closing ourselves in the room and praying is important. But I also think that there's something else that needs to accompany the life. And I don't think it's one thing. I think it's all these things that we need to do together to really enjoy a spirit-empowered life. And the church said. So I have five quick things I want to share with you today. Something that we can learn from the 120. What can we learn from the 120? Five quick things. The first one is um, through steadfast prayer. The Bible says in verse 14, they all join together constantly in prayer. What can we learn from the 120? For 10 days, they didn't know what to do. They were just being obedient to what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay there until you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. So what did they do for the, for the 10 days that they were in the upper room? They prayed. Steadfast prayer. They learned prayer where? Through Jesus. Mark 1.35 says, uh, teaches us that before Jesus went, in, uh, went he, he, to preach, he got up early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The disciples saw that. The disciples saw that before Jesus was sent off into ministry, before he did his work in the morning, he went out and prayed. They knew that, that Jesus had told them that they would uh, be entrusted with the Great Commission. They didn't know what that would look like, but they remember before Jesus went off into ministry, what did he do? He prayed. So before they went off, for 10 days, constantly prayed. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He, he taught them this. He taught them to pray as a church, as a people. We need constant prayer in our lives. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, prayer is this, this venue, this blessing that God has given us. We have communication with God and His Spirit ministers to us. And we get to share our heart with Him. And it's a time of vulnerability. And it's a time of rendering and surrendering. And a time to come before the presence of the Lord. Yes, we lift up petition and we ask the Lord. But it has more to do with aligning our will with the will of the Lord. And to say, God, we surrender all to you. 
Sometimes this life that we live, we get so wrapped up in the American dream, so wrapped up in our responsibilities, in our careers, in our job, that, that we forget the urgency of time with God. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. Man, we got to do this, we got to do that. We got to set these agendas, we got to do these things. And, and we're, we're, we're so agenda focused that sometimes we forgot or forget the most important thing. We need time and space to hear God clearly. How many people have said, Man, yo, yo, Dios nunca me habla. God never speaks to me. Have we carved out time and intentionally placed ourselves in a place to hear from God? Everybody wants the prophet to come and tell them something. Everybody wants to come and hear something. Well, can, can you intentionally carve out time, place yourself in a place where you can hear from God? And that happens through our spiritual disciplines of prayer and scripture and meditation, and solitude, right? And simplicity. Those, those disciplines take us to a place where, where we deny ourselves and we hear from the Lord. When, when we're there, man, when we go to those places, God speaks to us uh, and moves in our hearts. Prayer aligns our will with God's will. Jeremiah said this, uh, the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you uh, have not known. God wants to reveal secrets to us, and he wants to speak to our hearts. And he wants to, but what? Call unto him, and he will answer. Carve out time. Prayer draws us closer to God. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, who also hear their, he also hears their cry, and he saves them. Draw near to him in prayer, constant prayer, come near to God. Could I encourage you today to cultivate, to continue to cultivate a prayer life that renders ourselves into the presence of the Lord. E.M. Bound said this, a prayerless Christian will never learn God's truth. A prayerless Christian will never learn God's truth. Man, I, I want to just encourage you with some things. If, if, you can, if you don't remember anything else from the teaching, could you just remember a few things? One is, you know, be intentional in your prayer time. I, you know, I, there are some who can kneel down and pray for hours. Hey, that's great. I, I don't have that gifting, but some do. Um, but I think more important than clocking the hours is submitting the heart. I think it's about taking out time. I think it's about carving out whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 15 minutes. I'm not legalistic with regard to time. Uh, the Lord will increase when he wants to increase. And, and you know, I, I feel like I start praying and when the conversation is over, I'm good. But we have to carve out this time. I want to encourage you to be a part of our Tuesday night prayer services. They're important for the church. Every great revival in history started in a prayer service. How many long for revival? I want to encourage you to have a prayer closet, a place where you are, where your mind and your spirit and your body knows when I'm in this chair, when I'm in this corner, when I'm on the side of the bed, I know that my, I'm here for this reason. I'm here for this reason. If we're scattered everywhere, we're kind of lost, and our focus is not there. But if we have our routine, our place, our corner, our, our emotions, our body, our mind, our focus knows when I'm here, I want to talk to God privately. I want to encourage you to pray with your children. 
Pray with your children. I grew up with a praying mom. My mom prayed. I remember laying in the bed here and my mom prayed for all her brothers. I mean, she would go to name by name. Señor, yo oro por Radi, por Tessi, por Tato, por Ivong. And she would go name. And I remember being a kid laying in the bed. And today they're all saved. It took them years, but they're all saved. Uh, I, I want to encourage you uh, to, to pray for your family. Pray, pray with your children. And my, my brother and I, my brother was here, he could tell you, mom used to make us do home worship services. How many in oculto en el you know? Home worship services, that was my first drum set, green can of crackers, you know? Um, and, 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 and my brother and I were looking at the clock like, oh my God, is she ever going to finish praying? But it taught us the urgency of praying at home. And there, there are times when we're, we're focused in prayer, and then there's this life of prayer. We're alone in our cars, and we, we, we take some time. Those are, those are good, too. We're doing our dishes. So the, the, a life of prayer is wonderful, but the devotion of prayer is also important. Also important. So what can we learn from the 120? They were constant in prayer. And the church says, number two, what can we learn with them? We can learn that, that they, they honored consecration through consecration. So... I talked to you about quickly about Pentecost. It was a celebration. And you could, discern, you could discern the atmosphere in Jerusalem during that time. Why? Because when the disciples came out speaking in tongues, what did they say? They must be drunk. They discern things through the lens in which they are living. It tells us that the atmosphere of Jerusalem at that time was drunkenness, was, was a celebration that was, that was cardinal. So when they see the 120, uh, oh, they must be drunk so early in the morning. But the 120 had separated themselves from Jerusalem. They went to an upper room. There was a, a, a consecration, a separation. I want to remind the church today that if we want to be spirit-filled, there must be consecration. Today, there's this, there's this desire within uh, the, the church of Christ at times to be so tolerant, so relevant. But you know what? The world is looking for something different. There are so many churches that want to be so seeker-friendly. Listen, let's just teach the Bible. Let's just teach the Bible. Let's just be, hey, every church got a culture and every church got, got, got something to them. And that's okay. But let us be scriptural. And we know that the Bible tells us that there must be a separation from the church and the world. The Bible reminds us this. The Bible reminds us that our experience with Christ brings a change in our lives. And now our Savior and our Lord is Jesus. The scripture reminds us that when we were in the world, we had a different Lord. We were Lord, uh, our Lord uh, is the king of this world, Satan. And then we were ruled by our own carnal nature. But now we have a new Lord and a new Savior. And, and we are slaves to righteousness and slaves to him. No longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness. There must be a consecration. Your home must look different than the home of the person that doesn't serve the Lord. Your language must be different. Uh, if you have a, a bad habit of cursing, then I want to encourage you to, to ask the Lord to liberate you from that. It's not acceptable in the body of Christ. It's not okay. It's not okay. 
if you are, are mean to your neighbors, it's not okay. There, there must be a consecration. Uh, if, if you practice things from the cardinal nature and they dominate your life and your home and your matrimony and your personality, well, it's not okay. The church is called to be different. There must be a difference within us. Paul reminds us this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. There must be consecration. Nobody's perfect. No one. The Bible says that the righteous man will fall seven times and get up again. The righteous man, the the person that is in Christ, will make mistakes, but he gets up Again, in fact, that same verse says the wicked is lost in their sin. And the original language that's lost there has to do with kind of going over and over and over and over again in the same sin. But the righteous man gets up again. In other words, he doesn't stay in that same sin. So we're all, gonna, we're all capable of failing and making mistakes. But the church must be consecrated. Can I encourage you to evaluate your homes? Hey, we don't judge anybody. Our job here, Pastor Becky and I and all our pastors, is to teach the word, and, and we don't go knocking on nobody's door. We want you to apply whatever is taught in Scripture. And if one day we're teaching something that's not scriptural, you have two things. One, get rid of us. Two, um, don't apply it to your home. Don't apply it. But we want to teach you the Scriptures, and we want you to go home and apply Evaluate our homes and our lives. What is it that we watch what is it that we listen to? What, what, what is it that we're doing? How are we talking to each other? How, you know, what's our language? You know, what practices do we have? Do we change when certain family members come over? Do we change when certain friends come over? When the Christian friends come over, do we have some type of setup? And, and when the non-Christian friends come over, we have another type of setup. What, what, what is happening in our family? What is happening? I don't come here to judge anyone. I'm coming here to say, if we long to be spirit-filled, there must be a consecration. There must be a consecration. We cannot talk like the world. We cannot look like the world. There must be a difference. The Bible tells us that we're not to be yoked together with unbelievers, that there must be a separation. The Bible tells us that we are the salt of the earth. The Bible tells us that there are two roads, one that leads to destruction and one that leads to life. There must be a consecration, a separation. And the church says... So we're talking about being spirit-filled. What can we learn from the church, from the 120 in the upper room, persistent in prayer, consecration? Number three, perseverance. Perseverance. I love that for 10 days they prayed. For 10 days they waited. For 10 days they waited. They persevered. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to be next. They, they didn't know. They just waited, waited persevered. They knew that there was um, persecution for them, but they waited. They persevered. Um, I, I want to remind you today, uh, persevere. Today, sometimes we see people discouraged for different reasons, and, and, and they're, not, uh, they're not reasons to really take us to a place of, of separation from God and brokenness, and um, no one wants to persevere at times. It's easier to throw in the flag. It's, it's easier to be done with this marriage. It's easier to be done with the church. It, it's easier to be done with 
Christ. It's, it's easier not to go to church. It's easier not to go to Bible study. It's easier not to go to Bible Institute. We, we, we don't want to persevere. It's just easier to sin. It's easy, easier not to pray. It's easier not to go to church. Uh, it's easier to stay home. It's easier not to give our tithes. It's just easier. We, don't, we build a culture at times that we don't want to push. We don't want to persevere. Um, if God does not give it to us our way, in our time, we don't want to persevere. We don't want to wait on God. Uh, walking in faith means trusting God for the future regardless of the present day circumstance. Uh, waiting on God, uh, walking in faith means trusting God for future regardless of the present day circumstance. It means that we got to push through and persevere and, and, and wait on God. We need to persevere in this Christian walk. The 120, 10 days they prayed and waited and prayed and waited. And it's in God's time and he'll show us the fruit of our labor and he'll show us his will as we persevere. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to remember that God has called us to be a people that persevere, that push, uh, that, that, we, that, that we understand that God's will is more important than even the present day struggles in life. And we wait on God and we don't give no one so much influence over us that they're going to derail us from the things that God has for us. No, we give no one so much influence over us that they can speak a word that will discourage us to a place where we separate. No, no one has that type of influence over us that can speak into our lives or can say something or speak about us or, or hurt us or that take us to a place of separation. No, we persevere in every circumstance. It's biblical language to persevere. The Christian is expected to persevere. The Bible tells us that we will have to persevere. It won't come easy. Things don't come easy. There's hardships and trials, and, and we are reminded that the Holy Spirit empowers us, what? For victory. And the Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Not in our own strength, no, but in the strength of Christ, he gives us all that we need to see his will in our lives. All that we need to see his will in our lives. Maybe not what we want, but exactly what he wants us to have, which is exactly what we need. Yeah. And the biblical language is to persevere. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when you have stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Persevere. Push. Paul tells Timothy, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Persevere. Revelation says, I'm coming soon. Hold fast. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. To remind it to us to persevere. Uh, Jesus said, but the one who endures to the end, that one will be saved. That one will be saved. I want to encourage you. In this new year, would you put on a spirit of perseverance, faithfulness, a faithfulness, faithfulness to all that God has called us to. Faithfulness. Put a list of things down that you say, man, I wish we were doing this. Maybe it's prayer with your children. If you've seen that your children are not doing as well as you wish, it's time to evaluate how we're handling the home. Prayer with your children at home. You know, on Friday nights, we have so much that's happening here for every generation. You know what? I know it's not easy after a long week of work and something. But would you, would you girdle your loins and you say, you know what? You know, let's be faithful. Persevere. Let's go to church on Fridays. It's good for, it's good for us. It's good for our family. Perseverance in the church. It's, this is good for us. Um, you know, but, but persevering in our devotional life. 
in our prayer time. True story, as a kid, this just came into my mind. As a kid, I promised the Lord that I would say at least two verses every night before I went to bed. As a kid, I don't know how old I was, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know. And I would be laying in bed. I don't know why I'm telling this story right now. But I would be laying in bed. I'm not even sure if it goes. I would be laying in bed, and I would think, oh, my God, I didn't say my two verses. And I said Psalm 4.8 in Matthew 10.28 a million times because I got my two verses in. En paz me costaré a sí mismo de olvidar porque solo tu Jehová me hace vivir confiado. And then Matthew 10, 28, do not fear God who, who uh, do not fear him who can kill the body, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I said those two verses, I don't know how many times, just to be faithful to my two verses. <laughs> I think that came in my mind because of perseverance. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you, lock some things down in your family in your home, in your life, that are important to you. And then persevere. Don't give up on them. Whether it be prayer time, home worship service, devotional life, coming to church, faithful in anything that God has called you. Write them down. Present them before the Lord. Give them to your spouse. Give them to your best friend. Tell them, hold me accountable. I want to persevere in these things. And the church says... So we're talking about spirit-empowered church. What can we learn from the 120? Constant in prayer, consecrated, persevered. Number four, they were united. They gathered in unity. Um, they gathered together, the 120. They prayed together. They helped each other. The Bible says that many of them sold what they had um, and helped each other. Uh, I, I want to tell you that the spirit of unity is important, and it's throughout the whole scripture. In fact, when we look at, we've been studying Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 5 gives us commands, how do we treat our spouse, how do we treat our, our children, how do we treat our, our uh, spouse, our children, our slaves. And, and, uh, and then you look at other places of Scripture, God is constantly giving instructions for all people. Why? Because everybody matters. And there needs to be a spirit of unity in our lives, that, that's the spirit of unity that we cultivate. We cultivate it in our homes. We cultivate it with our neighbors. We cultivate it with our children, with our family, our extended family. We cultivate it in the church as well. We cultivate it at the place that we work. There, there needs to be a spirit of unity in our lives. And that trickles into the church. And there is where God can move and empower each and every one of us and empower the church. Peter encourages the church in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded by, by sympathetically, being sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and be humble. Romans 14 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. How we treat others matter. And the church says. How we handle conflict matters. And the church says, Amen. how we love our neighbor matters. How we serve together matters. If we want to be a spirit-empowered church, unity is urgent. And yes, some of us different cultures and, and we have different upbringings and, and there's different challenges. But in all those things, we can find common ground. In all those differences, we can come together, love each other, 
and we can serve God and be faithful to his mission and his vision and how he has commissioned us, faithful as one people, because his spirit brings us together. I want to encourage you to cultivate unity everywhere that you are. And if you find yourself always in conflict, if you find yourself always in conflict, chances are that it's not everybody else. Chances are. I, I don't think that God will position us in a place to have conflict everywhere we go. Man, I don't get along with nobody at work. I don't get along with nobody at church. I don't get along with nobody at home. I want to let you know that it's time to evaluate ourselves. I want to just encourage you, a spirit of unity. And the church says, I need to finish. Our last point is, what can we learn from the 120? They prayed constantly, right? Consecration, perseverance, unity, but we could also learn from them availability. As soon as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were empowered. They made themselves available. Lord, use me. The Bible says that Peter began to preach, and he preached an incredible exegetical sermon about Jesus. Um, he preached, right? Uh, uh, Isaiah, we know the great call of Isaiah when he heard the voice of the Lord. He said, and God says, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Isaiah stands and says, here I am, send me availability. Right? The Lord wants to use us. He wants to use those who are available. Someone who says, I'm here to be used for your glory and for your honor. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, God wants to use us to be a blessing to those around us. God is looking to pour into people that want to pour into people. God is looking to pour his spirit into people that, people that want to what, pour into others. It's about the ends of the earth seeing Jesus. Being spirit-filled has everything to do with being faithful to the call of God upon our life. And what's that call? To be ambassadors of Christ, faithful to the great commission, faithful to the edification of the church, and our job is to be available. If you're here in the church and you feel like, you know, I mean, I go to church, it's a, it's a good church, they sing good, they teach and preach well, it looks pretty organized, and you're enjoying coming here on Sundays and maybe you'll stop by during the week, that, that's wonderful. But the Lord is looking to empower and pour into someone that is willing to make themselves available to pour into someone else. This is not a salvation thing here, but this is an empowerment thing that says, I want to live the life that God has called me to live. And that comes through availability. And availability is not easy. You know, it's like, well, let me see when I can. Let me see what works for me. Let me see what's good for me. I'm not saying that everything has to be so sacrificial, but there's this sense of, Lord, I'm willing to make some sacrifice to be faithful to the call. 
some sacrifice. Not sacrifice our families. Not sacrifice our health. Not sacrifice our finances. But willing to make some sacrifices. And the church says. So I'm going to close up our teaching with the help of the musicians here. As our time is running out. So a spirit-empowered church. Growing up the church, we learned, hey, you want the Holy Spirit, you want power on your life, lock yourself in the room, close the door, and pray until it happens. I'm okay with that advice. It's not bad advice. But I want to suggest to you today that we can learn something from the 120. We can learn that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were doing all these things at the same time. They were steadfast in prayer. They were consecrated. They were persevering, they were united, and they were available. I want to encourage you to embrace all of these things in your, in your family, in your ministry, in your personal life. Uh, I don't think that we can pick one or two and expect God to give it, give it all to us. I don't think we can say, hey, I'm doing good in praying and I'm persevering but I'm lacking in consecration and lacking in unity and I'm not always available and think that God is going to pour into us. We can't think that, you know, I'm faithful to church and I'm an awesome tither, but, you know, I, I never really pray. And expect God to pour into us. No. What can we learn from the 120? That they embrace this life of devotion. This life of devotion. A prayer, consecration, perseverance, unity, availability. And they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they changed the world. They changed the world. I believe that God is calling you and I as members of the body of Christ, of the church, and to change the world, to change the world around us. And that happens through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. And the church says, if you received the teaching, can you give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Can I invite you to stand this morning? Maybe you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you. And maybe you're doing one or two of the five points. You're missing one or two. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you're saying, Lord, I'm, I want to make myself available to you completely. I want spirit empowerment. I want to be used by you for your glory and for your honor. Maybe you're here today and, and this teaching is resonating profoundly in your heart this morning and bringing life to something that is dead. Bringing life to something that's quickening something in your spirit. And you would like prayer as we sing this next song. The altar is open. We invite you to come. We want to pray with you. If you're visiting us here today and you're far from God, today is the day of salvation. If you're far from God, today is the day of salvation. If you need to be reconciled to the Lord, today is the day to do it. You've, you've been handling life on your own, your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own strength, and you find yourself broken, you find yourself sad, you find yourself in need of a Savior. From the moment you give your heart to Jesus, the Bible says, we read it, that you are sealed with His Holy Spirit. And from that moment, His Spirit will help you 
live a life of peace and joy. Peace and joy in Christ. If you're here today and you feel like, I, I need Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Would you be so bold as we sing this next song to join us here at the altar and let one of our pastors pray a prayer of faith with you. We believe that prayer will change your life forever. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.